Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Divisional ditching edition. I was going to say divisional realignment, but we're... We're just ditching them all together. At least that's the plan. I've been I've been banging this drum for several years that the conferences in college football do not need divisions anymore. Uh, it was an archaic construct based on a very arbitrary rule that I will explain the history of in the course of this show. And you'll be like, wait, that's why? Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize how stupid it is. And the Big Ten is coming around on this. The SEC was already talking about it. The Big Ten now talking about potentially ditching divisions. Scott Docterman covers Iowa for The Athletic. He's the one who broke the story. Gary Barta dropped the news to him on Wednesday. And Scott, how much fun has it been dreaming up permanent opponents for for Big Ten schools the last day? It's been really fascinating because every school has those rivals that they have to play. Almost every school does, um, except for the newbies like Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, So, you know, you look at... Minnesota plays Wisconsin every year for that giant, you know, Paul Bunyan's axe, and they play Iowa for the pig. Those are historic and and symbolic. Floyd of Rosedale can't go anywhere, no matter what you change. That is, uh, that has so much meaning beyond even this, you know, 98 pound bronze pig. It has to stay. Um, But then there's other really good trophies in the Big Ten. Uh, the Brass Spittoon, which is like 200 years old, that was found at a trading post in Michigan, and that's between Michigan State and Indiana. But is that important enough to preserve? And then you look at, um, you know, the the Illibuck, which I think is the second oldest of the trophies uh, between is. Illinois and Ohio State. But is that important enough to preserve? Or uh, and there's another one in there. You know, the little brown jug, you know, between Minnesota and Michigan. Yeah, before the the Vikings went to Minnesota, that was a great rivalry. But really, and, and, and by the Vikings going to Minnesota, Scott's actually talking about Leif Erikson. He's not talking <laughs> about the the Minnesota Vikings. So, exactly. <laughs> I, I know Leif Erikson never made it to Minnesota. To history buffs, some of his chill, descendants chill. apparently did. They traveled the Great Lakes <laughs> and got to Duluth. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, it, 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 but that is the thing. The, the Big Ten, more than any other league, is so steeped in history. And, you know, we've had these conversations about the SEC a lot over the, the last few years because the, the people in the SEC feel like the league has sort of turned its back on history with the divisional format because some really good rivalries got canned in the process. The Big Ten, it's interesting because it's so, you know, historically grounded, but all these formats, they've been one after the other over the last 15 years or so. So they're not really married to anything. No, they're not. You know, they when before Nebraska joined, they had 11 teams. You played two teams permanently every year, and then you rotated the other six, uh, eight teams six times over an eight-year period. It was a really easy mm-hmm. 
scheduling uh, maneuver. Then Nebraska joined. They went to the Legends and Leaders, which other than the name, it wasn't so bad. I mean, it was it was equitable and, um, you know, so the, the leagues looked good, but you lost a few rivalries that they should have kept. And then they decided when they added Maryland and Rutgers, let's go geographic. And uh, the, the really the only fight or disagreement that happened there was whether Michigan State or Purdue goes west. Michigan State wanted to go west. And you think about balance in the Big Ten at that point. If you had Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, uh, Northwestern, I think you think, well, that's pretty good. But the Big Ten, the leadership said, well, yeah, you can go west, but you can't keep your Michigan rivalry. And they're like, well, why, why are you going to do this for Purdue and where they can still keep the Indiana one? Well, they, they, it didn't matter. So uh, they ended up uh, Michigan State saying, okay, sure, we'll go east. And now we're looking, you know, eight years or so after this iteration. And and in the regular season, it's pretty even. It's 77-70 in favor of the east in crossover games. So you, you have a lot of evenness in that. The, but then the championship, <laughs> the championship game, not so much. Right. It's AFC NFC from the eighties and nineties, you know, it's eight to nothing. And, but it, Ohio state skews it any way you look at it. They're 18 and two against the, uh, against the West. They're five and zero oh in the championships. So Ohio state, it could be in a league with Maryland Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, and, and it would still look pretty dominant. So that's, where this all kind of comes from in my eyes is, uh, you know, you got Penn state, which has been the most vocal about wanting to change the, the iteration. I can't the imagine iteration. why. Yeah. Cause they can't make it there when you got that roadblock in your face. And, and uh, you know, th- when you look at wins and losses, Penn state, Michigan, Michigan state, Iowa, Wisconsin are all fairly comparable, but you know, sometimes their number two team is in the East and should play the play Ohio state. And I think, that's where Penn State's looking at. And now that you have all the confluence of all these different topics from having to change their schedule because of the COVID year to the college football playoff ramifications to the Alliance. New TV deal. Yeah. TV deal. They've got all this coming together and it's like, let's evaluate everything. And one of the topics that's getting some traction is let's just get rid of divisions. Everybody pick three opponents and, uh, and then cycle through everybody else uh, two years on, two years off. Well, let's let's do a little history lesson here right now because I I know I can I can hear people saying, "Well, but the rules say the rules are made by the schools. The schools can change the rules anytime they want." The reason this particular rule is written the way it's written, there's a few reasons, but the the initial reason is in the late 80s, a league called the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference in Division 2 wanted to stage a championship game. They had 14 teams, they were split in two divisions, and if they and they if they wanted to do a championship game at the time, they had to just say all of the teams in the league clear clear the last day of the season from your schedule. And then if if the division champs play, those two will play and nobody else will play. So basically they cost themselves a home game or a regular season game. And so they didn't want to do that anymore. And they wanted to create a championship game. They they wrote the legislation to be, you know, proposed at the NCAA, NCAA convention, I think in 1987. And then they found out there was like a, a clerical error. There, there was some sort of technical error in the proposed legislation. So it got sent back to the guy who was the AD at Westchester University to fix. And in the process of fixing it, he gets a call 
from one of his friends over in the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, another Division II league that is in the same general vicinity as as the PSAC. And they said, hey, we want to get on this too, except we only have 12 teams. So could you just strike that four and change it to a two? And so 12 teams split into two divisions. That's where that rule comes from. The reason it got set in stone the way it did is because a gentleman named Roy Kramer, who was the commissioner of the SEC starting in the early 90s, well, going back in the late 80s, he takes over the SEC, has grand plans, and is like, you know what? I remember this rule passing at the NCAA convention. I think this could be a pretty popular deal if we added two teams to the SEC, made it 12, split into divisions, and played a championship game. It's funny because, Scott, the, the, the Pennsylvania State Athletic conference never didn't initially play a championship game when they got the role passed. And so the SEC was the one that, that really used it. And so everybody assumed, oh, it has to be 12 and you have to be split in two divisions. And this is a sacred rule. It's not sacred, right? It's, it's because it's because this other league, the central intercollegiate athletic association asked them to change a four to a two. That's it. And here we are today. And you think about in the past, just how arbitrary it sounds that it has to be 12. Remember when Jim Delaney sent out that letter in 2009, when they had 11 teams and schools didn't realize how miserable they were until they had the option to leave. And then it became this huge beauty parade, you know, and you've got Missouri doing whatever it can to get in the big 10 and, and Nebraska is there. And and we trying to figure out this whole, you know, kumbaya white smoke moment. And then everybody else started capitalizing on it. And we sent us into this, you know, realignment era. Had the big 10 been able to have a 12 team league or an 11 team league with a, the division title, you think back in, in 2000, maybe this never happens. Yeah. In 2002, so, Ohio State and Iowa were both 8-0 and and mm-hmm. uh, ranked in the top three in the AP poll. And uh, Iowa lost to Iowa State in the regular season. That was it. It would have been one hell of a game between those two teams at oh, the end yeah. of the year. And they couldn't play. Absolutely. We'll be right back after these words. Big 12 gets pillaged mm-hmm. in realignment. Is down to 10 teams. They get rid of the championship game. But then they decide they want to do it again. So the Big 12 and the ACC, which has never really liked having divisions, and it, I, I feel like you should get a prize if you can name all the teams in the Atlantic and all the teams in the Coastal. I think I can. I think. Yeah. But they co-sponsor a, a, a change to the rule. And so that way the Big the Big 12 could stage a championship game and said basically if you have fewer than 12, you don't have to have divisions. Mm-hmm. So the Big 12 actually has the perfect – if, if you're talking about what you want as in terms of good for business, in terms of producing the best champion to potentially go to the playoff, the Big 12 has the perfect scenario right now. A nine-team round robin or a nine-game round robin followed by a number one versus number two championship game. Mm-hmm. That's got to change because they're adding adding teams. But there's no reason that they should have to go back to divisions. Right. Just because the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference arbitrarily put a 12 in that rule. Exactly. And you look at the, the ACC last year during the COVID year. It went with one big, long division and added Notre Dame. And got, 
two teams in the playoff. Exactly. I mean, we had a rematch and from a regular season game. And, and so this whole situation to me sounds arbitrary. It should be up to each conference to decide how they want to do it. If they want a championship game, which all of them now, of course would, it's very lucrative. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and how they do it, because, you know, as we said with the big 10, it's uh, it's not cyclical when it comes to championships because you have Ohio state. If it would right. you remove Ohio state, and you, you plug in a normal year, a nine and three Penn State and a nine and three Wisconsin, flip a coin or Iowa or Michigan State yeah. or Michigan or whatever, not this. Year. Yeah, the, the, the problem is that Ohio State's never bad. Yes, that's that's the problem. But you would like to be in a situation where you don't run, especially in the 14 playoff. And, and, you know, it looks like thanks to the ACC, the 14 playoff is here to stay mm-hmm. through the end of the 25 season. Mm-hmm. So. You don't want that random bad division champ to have a fluky upset of your really good division champ and knock you out of the playoff. That's also a possibility in some of these situations. That's why I feel so bad for the Big 12. And part of it I don't feel bad because instead of just starting to create new divisions, the Big 12 should be like, this is stupid. Let's change the rule. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure we don't have to go back to divisions. Because the Big 12 of everybody should be the most leery of random division winner beating your really good team because that happened in the first ever yes. Big 12 championship game. Thank you again, James Brown, for my national championship ring. Because <laughs> if James Brown doesn't roll left and Texas doesn't beat Nebraska, my freshman year Florida team does not play for the national title. So <laughs> it is... Uh, it, but but that's the thing. The Big 12 knows better than anybody. And they also had the situation where K-State beat number mm-hmm. one Oklahoma in 2003. Now, it didn't keep Oklahoma out of the BCS title game, but it could have. So have, if, yeah. if I'm them, I want a number one versus number two forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was – of all the games that I've ever covered or been around, that was the craziest game. I, I never in a million years thought K-State would win. They were 9-3. and three. You had Oklahoma 12-0. and 0. Oklahoma was supposed to be – I mean – one of those games that year, I think it was like 77 to nothing or something over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right in that in a neighborhood. And, and, and then there was a, a year with Kansas state when it did get knocked out. It got all the way down to the Alamo Bowl 98 because it yeah. lost a double overtime conference championship game to A&M. So these things can happen. And we've seen uh, you know, a random year where the, there's a, a PAC 12 South team that's six and six or, or seven and five, or the ACC had it once where I think Georgia tech or Pitt was like seven and five. The big 10 even had it uh, three years ago. 2012. Think, yeah. yeah well, 2012 a, when Ohio state and Penn state couldn't play in it, but yeah, yeah that was the complete outlier when, you know, that team, but, and then that team won big, but, but you had Northwestern a couple of years ago was eight and four and getting to the championship mm-hmm. game. And, and those are, you know, those happen, but, and then I could understand um, some of the group of five programs saying, well, should a nine and four Northwestern or an eight and five right. pit get an automatic entry to this playoff when we've got a 12 and one team that's, uh, that's really good. And it's only loss was by a field goal and it was at uh, Florida or someplace like that. Yeah. Well, and if, and if you look at the, the way that they want to change the playoff, you look at the proposal they, they made, which I think will probably end up being fairly similar to what they come up with in two, in 2026, you also don't want to at that, at that point cost your league a buy. Mm-hmm. You know, being one of the top four ranked conference champs, you you don't want to cost your league a buy with a weird conference title game result. Because at the end of the day, for the Power Five leagues, you want 
to produce a national champion. Like that's important. You, you, you know, if you go to 12, getting as many teams into the playoff as possible is also very important, but ultimately you want to produce a national champion. So you want to make sure your champion has the best possible path. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, let's look at, you know, some of the big tens reasoning on whether it goes to nine games, eight divisional play or whatever, say you're Ohio state and, uh, there's never been a two team team make the a two loss team make the playoff yet. And if you stick mm-hmm. with four, why would you want to play not only the schedule you do, and it's pretty demanding in the Big Ten, at least in the upper the levels. Division's tough. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you're playing, say, the Alliance matchups Clemson on the road. And then maybe right. you also have another marquee opponent, you know, even a even another power five team, you have the opportunities to to lose two games and then get knocked out of the playoff in a four team. However, if your champion, one of the top four champions, qualifies automatically and gets a bye, if you're Ohio State, it's like oh, we'll play anybody in the non-conference, and as long as we win the conference, we could be a ten and three, eleven and two team, and we'll get a bye. We'll be fine. And and so yeah. that's that's kind of where they're sitting at right now in the Big Ten. Is we want to see what the the texture of the and the structure of the CFP will be um, in a few years before we really make a, a solid pitch towards one of these types of. Uh, uh, scheduling possibilities. Exactly. And I, I think the SEC is waiting for that too, because they've, they've obviously got Texas and Oklahoma coming in. They have to do something different. I, I don't see how divisions are workable mm-hmm. in, an, in a 16 team league or a two division setup. There's a four division setup that you might be able to make work, but a two division setup in, an, in a 16 team league is essentially two different conferences. Mm-hmm. So that won't work. And then, you know, when I've written about this with the SEC, you know, it's pretty clear, like Florida and Auburn used to play every year. It was a great mm-hmm. rivalry. The fans from both sides loved it. And then it it went away. It was mm-hmm. sacrificed to realignment because, you know, you had seven team divisions. You had one fixed opponent and they decided LSU will be Florida's fixed opponent. Georgia will be Auburn's fixed opponent. And, and look, Georgia-Auburn, that is the deep south's oldest rivalry. You're not right. going to cancel that. So now they play twice every 10 years. And that's just stupid. Like mm-hmm. that's wrong. And what what, what you got with the SEC? And I'm, I'm curious if you've, if you've noticed this in the Big Ten. I don't know if it's been enough years of this, but in the SEC, fans have gotten so bored with the sameness of the home schedules in even years and odd years mm-hmm. that they kind of tune it out. Like that's one thing the ads in the SEC who want this are push why they're pushing so hard for it is they want to, they want to have different home schedules to kind of excite their fan bases to sell more tickets. It makes perfect sense. And and you're exactly right. Um, You know, a scenario you described with Florida Auburn was the similar one with Iowa, Wisconsin. They're only a couple hours apart. They've played every, almost every year since the 1890s. But when they decided to go legends and leaders, it was like they took the top four and split them. And then they took the next two, which were Wisconsin and Iowa and split them. Right. And then they both have, you know, as you said, the deep South's oldest rivalry. You also, they both have incredibly long historic rivalries with Minnesota. Are you going to give up the Wisconsin Minnesota game? You know, that is the oldest, or are you going to give up the, the pig? No, no, but, but this is a better series on the field than both of them. So then Barry Alvarez was very, very vocal about this because they're only two and a half hours apart. And he's like, we need to play each other. We're similar tenants. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and finally, when they added Maryland and Rutgers, Barry went back at Delaney and said, let's split this. There's not a whole lot of difference between East and West 
other than Ohio State. And even then, they're still going through issues. But yeah, the boredness of the schedules, um, and I could speak to Iowa's more than anything, is like this year coming up, they'll play Wisconsin at home and Iowa State in the non-conference, but uh, Nebraska. Uh, they've got teams that you know generally do well as far as among their fans. But then you know the other years where they have Illinois and Purdue at home, even Minnesota to an extent, it doesn't generate as much buzz. And you could see the difference in the attendance. You know, a couple thousand yeah. here and there, and that's a lot of money. Uh, you know, especially coming off the COVID year. So I think there would be a more of an interest to say cycle in a, a Michigan State. Uh, you know, Penn State's been a really good series for Iowa. And well, that so- that's the one that killed me when I was putting together my hypothetical because I really wanted to make Penn State and Iowa State, uh, Penn State and Iowa annual opponents mm-hmm. because they've played such fun games against one another. Like. I don't know. It, it, it's it, obviously geographically it doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but I just that I have that image of, of Adrian Claiborne, you know, mm-hmm. returning the blocked kick in the whiteout, like, and, and the, the game yeah. this year where it was just crazy, and like, th- there's so many cool games they played, and and that's one if they played annually, because playing every year can create a rivalry as much as it can sustain a rivalry. That's mm-hmm. what, um, I always tell people explain with the sec when they split into divisions in, in 1992, Florida and Tennessee rarely played each other before mm-hmm. that, despite being in the same league. And in 92, they're put together in the sec East. They both happen to be very ascendant. They were becoming mm-hmm. the, the two best programs in the sec. And so for the next, let's say seven, eight years, they were the two best programs in the sec and became huge rivals. And, and, and even now where Florida's won a bunch in, you know, a whole bunch, they, Tennessee's only won once since 2004, but it's still viewed as a massive rivalry. So yeah. that's the thing when, when you're doing these, they don't have to always have historical roots. If you just think they're going to play a bunch of good games. And you and I talked about this yesterday when we were doing our own hypotheticals, how much of it is TV governed? Cause mm-hmm. you, you and I were trying to figure out, do we, do we have Michigan State play Penn State? Yeah, TV's going to want that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's the challenge for these two leagues in particular because they're the two most historic is you, you talked about, you know, like Tennessee and Auburn, you know, they go both sides with their rivalries. Yep. In the Big Ten, it's kind of the same deal when you look at a, at a Michigan State would be a good one. Number one, their series with Indiana is really good, and they play for a brass platoon. They also play for the land grant against uh, against Penn State, which was – just kind of a let's throw them a bone since they're coming in the league in 1993. It's you like, get a trophy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there, there, there's the governor's victory bell between Minnesota and, and Penn State, which, of course, could be ditched. But the, the land grant looks like a giant organ, you know, that they're playing for. And But it's become a pretty good series. Obviously, they're higher profile teams and and they – you know, they they played concurrently with the Wisconsin-Minnesota game last year. They get almost 4 million vo- viewers. The Minnesota-Wisconsin game gets almost 5 million – or gets more than 5 million viewers. Because it was a big upset, yeah. Yeah, and and so those games are really important for TV. And, and so is that more important for their future media rights partners to have one great game, or is it Michigan State-Indiana? which probably makes a little bit more sense geographically and, and what have you. And likewise for Penn State, are they going to just get thrown Rutgers in Maryland, you know, just because they're the Eastern teams? They don't really see either one of those schools as their rival, but then Maryland and Rutgers have to have rivals too. 
you know, and, and so do you yep. give them a, hey, Indiana's your rival now. And Indiana's going, what? You know, we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. That that was that was my struggle when I did the hypothetical for the bit for the new Big Twelve for what the Big Twelve will be once Texas and Oklahoma are gone because I was I, I did three permanent opponents for them because I assume they're still going to want to do a nine game schedule. I only did two permanent opponents for the teams of the Pac twelve because George Klyavkov, their commissioner, has mm-hmm. said they're going to eight. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to load them down. And and the Pac twelve is actually really easy because the old Pac ten they had the travel partners so. Yeah. You put all the travel partners together, and then you put Colorado and Utah together because they they came in as as eleven and twelve, and then the only other rivalry you had to worry about was Oregon Washington. So you put yeah. Oregon and Washington together, and then the, the Bay Area schools want to play the LA schools. So you you put Cal with UCLA, put Stanford with USC. So they're down there, and then that's pretty easy. The Big Twelve though was like okay. Do BYU and TCU still hate each other from when they were in the Mountain West together? Maybe. like, Or do you create Mormons versus Baptists with BYU and Baylor? Yeah. And, or like West Virginia, I, I kept I, – I made Cincinnati and UCF permanent rivals for them so they didn't feel so alone on the, on the East Coast. Right. But it's, it's just it, – it's a little bit different. The, the league, I thought, Scott, that, that, lent this, that lent itself even more to this – maybe even more so than the SEC and the, and the big 10 is the ACC. Mm-hmm. Cause remember we had a, we had a North Carolina wake forest game this year. That was right. a non-conference game. They're 81 miles apart and they only play each other. You know what? I, I don't, I think it's twice every 10 years. Like th- that's absurd. <laughs> right. I know. That's the crazy part of this is you've got teams that are, and, and that's, a, that's another one. You know, you have the old ACC, even before Florida state joined it. And uh, and Tobacco Road and and these games and and so you got four teams in North Carolina. Well, they only have what one protected rival and, and do some things. You got North Carolina Virginia, which is like the oldest of the the Mid South uh, series, and and the and the Big Twelve Big Twelve is so strange because you look at Oklahoma State and you know it. It, does it want to continue series every year with its old big eight partners, Kansas state, Kansas, Iowa state, or does it want to go South and compete against a Texas tech, which was his old big 12 South uh, rivals. And, yeah. and then you still have, you know, TCU and Houston weren't a part of the big 12 South. So you've got all these, but different- they were part of the Southwest conference. Right. Yeah. And, and Oklahoma state wasn't, but it's close enough. And it, it obviously it's, it's basically North Texas. When, when I, right? when I did the big 12, I felt like, I, I almost separated Oklahoma State, or I basically separated Oklahoma State from the rest of the, the old Big Eight schools. Although I did, I, I nodded to it because I put Oklahoma State with Kansas State, just because those are usually two pretty good programs, great in stadium environments. That mm-hmm. I just think they could create a good rivalry together if they played every year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, and they do play every year, obviously now. Yeah. But but yeah, no, and, and listen, we, we have to talk about your son's logo for Farmageddon. Uh, Farmageddon, for those who don't know, is the annual game between Iowa State and Kansas State. Uh, Scott, I'm going I'm to let you take this away because this, this is a beautiful, beautiful trophy that could be forged anytime. It should be. I mean, they they christened this Farmageddon when they had a neutral site game in Kansas City oh, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. And what a perfect one because they are two of the most 
ag schools that that are out there, especially Iowa State. And uh, so I was talking to my son who just graduated from art school. And I'm like, you know, they need to play for something. And we kind of came up with the Reaper. And uh, I mean, how cool would the Reaper be, which is, you know, just giant thing that they're playing for every year. It'd be like Paul Bunyan's axe. And so well, it's, drew- yeah, it's a, you're talking about a scythe that you yeah. would use to cut wheat, which would be perfect for these two schools. Exactly. It's, it's farm, it's ag, it says that, but it's also really cool. And can you imagine, you know, you could dull the blade, of course. I don't think you'd want it, but of course, you know, kind of like the, uh, the ax is dull. Uh, you know, it it would be, it would be up there with the battle of the bones, the UAB versus Memphis trophy. That's just a rack of ribs. Uh, and, and the, the Birmingham bowl trophy, which is the statue of Vulcan with his ass hanging out. (laughs) <laughs> wow those are some crazy trophies <laughs> I, I think it would be cool and then the winner gets to gets to you know walk across the field and and act like it's cutting uh cutting wheat so oh, that would be amazing or or act like the grim reaper i mean yeah. and, and I, listen the people in kansas with the well in missouri too i know mm-hmm. kansas city straddles the border right but the grim reaper is now part of their sports lexicon mm-hmm. after last week <laughs> if when things are grim, be the grim reaper. Yeah, so. Exactly. And uh, I mean, Iowa come State, on, it's it's great. Bill Snyder was called the grim reaper by Iowa State fans too, because he used to beat them every year, no matter how bad Kansas State was. They always beat Iowa State. So it, it's <laughs> so I think it would be perfect to do that. And and you know, because there it. are a ton of trophies. God knows, I cover the Big Ten, and it seems like a new one pops up every other year. This would be not not necessarily organic, but it'd be perfect to their heritage as opposed to the Freedom Trophy between Nebraska and Wisconsin or Heroes between Iowa and Nebraska. And the place uh, for the bits others. of broken chair. That's Minnesota and Nebraska, right? That's actually pretty cool. That that one is. I know. Really that's pretty funny. Stuff. But but yeah. And, and even, you know, I always say with Iowa, as long as they had Floyd, you know, the other three are kind of, you know, the Heartland's a, a, a bowl. Okay, that's kind of cool, but yeah. it doesn't need that. You know, the Cyhawk is, you know, the series itself matters, but the trophy is kind of neat. But And then the Heroes trophy is, the concept's great, but the, the trophy itself is just a in, in In the Big Ten, I, I, I think I think the two just, in terms of cool, like if you, if you wanted to hoist this going across the field as the winning team, it's got to be Floyd of Rosedale and Paul Bunyan's axe. Mm-hmm. Like those, like the Paul Bunyan trophy itself is okay, but it's just a guy made of wood. The yeah. axe is so much cooler. Yeah, and and they get a go and um, go chop, you know, chop down the goalposts. And a couple of years ago, when Minnesota finally beat Wisconsin, I think it was in 2018. Uh, yeah, Fleck yep. had everybody bring axe body spray, and it was a, <laughs> and and they all sprayed it, and it was just like a thick fog of axe body spray. You know, because we just left the axe in the locker. It, it, so. it smelled like Ari Wasserman's college dorm room. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. An entire stadium. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and then, then the, the Floyd Rosedale game, all week long, fans, media, personalities. I mean, people go through bacon and pork. And, you know, a lot of times on game day, that's the media meal is some is ham or something like that. You see live pigs in the parking lot and, and it's just, it's fun. It's awesome. It's energetic. Um, and, and it's part of history. And that damn thing weighs 98 pounds. And the funniest that's one awesome. was 
Tristan Wirfs, now with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he tried to carry it the length of the field on his shoulder, and he did. But he got to the locker room, and he couldn't move his arm you know, to get his shoulder pads off. <laughs> this so, is a guy who could power clean like 450 pounds, by the way. <laughs> exactly. He could jump out of the water onto the side of a, of a swimming pool. But by the end, it was because that, that brass pit or bronze pig, it weighs so much. And, and it matters. I mean, you know, those are the trophies that matter. The other ones are yeah. symbols of victory. But, man, you know, you, you just – and so when you're doing these rivalries – those are the ones where you go, you cannot touch this. That's, that's embedded to college football. Absolutely. Well, that, I mean, that was such huge news in the big 10 and it, it even eclipsed Nebraska making its chairs wider to accommodate the wider butts of its fans and possibly to keep the salt streak alive by selling less tickets. Um, yeah. Chili and cinnamon rolls, keeping the sellout streak alive. I mean, this was bigger news than that. <laughs> and that's, that's huge. So I look forward to, this is great, Scott, because uh, you're right. Th- there are so many things going on that, that need to be changed. My, if I had to guess, I'd say they would probably like to have some idea of what they're going to do before they finalize that next TV deal, mm-hmm. which, what is that? By the end of the season, probably. Cause it starts in, in 2023. You know, if, if this was up the under the Jim Delaney time frame, I would say it'd be done by you know May or June. Uh, I don't, I don't know what Kevin Warren will do there, but yeah, I think that's that's fair. I, I think that ideally you'd want to have it before Big Ten media days in, in July, yeah. so you don't get asked about it because then it becomes a, a question you, you really propel in the future. So I would the, think the last one, it, if I remember correctly, closed around the first week of May, mm-hmm. the year before. So yeah, well, right. right, right when they were in Phoenix, because the Big Ten folks all meet in Phoenix that, mm-hmm. that first week of May. So that that may be a, a kind of a target date to watch, but it'll be a fascinating next few months as uh, as everybody goes through the hypotheticals and uh, divisions are almost ditched. Scott, we're, we're almost I'm I'm almost ready to declare victory. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good too, and and you know, but but what comes down to the eight versus nine for the Big Ten, and I think. This is what's also kind of interesting is the Big Ten, um, you know, it, it has a lot more cachet than it thinks it does in, in these areas. And that is when it boils down to it, you've got the the 10 or eight marquee games in the alliance that you're going to see a Clemson, Ohio State, a USC, Michigan games we're all going to be talking about. But then what happens when you go instead of Iowa, Michigan State, we're going to get Iowa, NC State or Michigan mm-hmm. State, Wake Forest. And you're going yeah, I'd rather see that Iowa-Michigan State game than I would the uh, Michigan State-Wake Forest. And that's where the questions are going to be. Don't look at it as losing an Iowa-Michigan State game. Look at it as losing an Iowa-Illinois game. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough, too, in some ways, because because of the history, you know. But, you know. I, I, that, I actually don't think you'd lose an iowa Look at it as losing an Iowa-Rutgers game. Look at it that way. way. I think everybody would tolerate <laughs> that, but uh, and you know, and yeah. Maryland, Maryland should be the happiest team in the world for this. They should volunteer for two ACC games every year. Play Virginia again. Play North Carolina and Duke and and those old friends of theirs that they had to pay I'd out. Be like, I will take Duke and Duke. Can we play Duke twice? Let's yeah. let's do that. We need W's. <laughs> exactly. You know, or uh, you know, I mean, but Penn State's not going to say, yeah, let's play Pitt. You know, so that'll be fascinating to see how those even though that would be a reignited rivalry from time to time 
I'm, I'm ready for all of this. I'm ready for more variety. I'm ready for, for more teams cycling through more stadiums. I think, I think fans are going to like that. And, and just, it spices up our lives on yeah. fall Saturdays. So let's get it done. Everybody big 10 sec, yeah. ACC, you know what to do. Big 12. Don't go back to divisions. You don't right. have to, they're going to change the rules anyway to accommodate Lord, the other league. So don't do Lord, it. I tell you what though, if, if I think if, if we were running the universe and we were to create an alliance, the best alliance of all, and without question would be big 10 SEC. So you could have, Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk about iconic venues, you know, can you imagine death Valley at night for Wisconsin and then going to camp Randall for the jump around or, uh, well, you know, the but they could have done that and they chose not to, they did New Orleans or what do they do? They did Houston, Houston. and, uh, and green Bay, right? Like, yeah, but they if stop doing an that. alliance, you could do that. You know, you could have uh, right. those games instead of neutral sites. And, and that, or, that is the one, here's one a crazy thing. one. If you had playoff games that were on campus until the mm-hmm. final, you'd get a lot of those with really super oh, high man. stakes and potential bad weather. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that's what the Big Ten is not looking at. Can you imagine, you know, you played at Florida. You live in Florida. Can you imagine saying, I got to go to Camp Randall in the middle of December where – like today's high here in Iowa is 20 and it feels great compared to the zero. It was the other day. Can you imagine Listen, you take an eight, you take an 18 year old me. Cause I didn't even know. I didn't even know there were places in the world where the high didn't get out of the twenties. Like mm-hmm. th- that thought alone would have shocked me. Like, wait, 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 it's not going to get warmer than 20. What? <laughs> like it just, it would have, it would have blown my mind at the time. So yes, I the Big Ten needs to understand that that's an advantage and not a uh, not a hindrance. Exactly, and and these players all want to play in the NFL, and you're going to have to play in Green Bay and Cleveland and yep. Chicago and those places anyway. So uh, yep. yeah, if it's playoffs or whatever, you know, I would just love to be able to to go with Iowa down to the Grove sometime or Death Valley or see oh. the Folk Man or, you know, War Eagle. And, and I think they'd love to come Absolutely. up with the wave and Kinnick speech and, and, you know, Melrose Avenue and, and, you know, go to uh, state street brats in, in Madison and dinky town in Minneapolis. Well, look, look at the Auburn and Penn state fans. The Auburn people yeah. went up to Penn state last year, the Penn state people going down to Auburn this year. They had a blast. Yeah. The Penn State people are going to have a blast this year. They're going to get some eliminated tumors and and walk around, and it'll be beautiful. It'll be a little hot that that time of year, but uh, it, it's that's the best part. And especially because those conferences are are so historic, and uh, you know they're they're so they their fan bases appreciate the history of the game probably more than anybody else. Yeah. So they should get together more often. You're exactly right. Exactly. And then the only time they do now or in Tampa for the Outback Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or a playoff or whatever, it would be nice to see the history of the stadiums and, and the culture of, of tailgating because th- it matters. You know, I mean, going to Nebraska, you know, going to mm-hmm. you know, take your pick around those two conferences and it goes really deep. There are, there are very few of those games where you're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe, well, that, that's yeah. the thing that, that like, if you've never been to a game at Arkansas, you don't understand how much fun it is to go to a game at Arkansas. Uh, If you've never been to a game at Michigan state, you don't know how much fun it is to go to a game at Michigan state. These are people who care deeply about the sport, about the history of it. And they're all out to have a good time. And, and that's, I I think you're right about that. I I'd love to see more of those games and uh, 
Yeah, let's let's get them all scheduled, Scott. We're we're gonna we're gonna get it done. We're fixing the conference schedules, and then we're gonna fix the non-conference. Thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us. It's been a pleasure, and I'll talk to you on Monday.